Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hey, it's Sarah, the host here and the creator of Embodied Breath, my private practice where I use alchemical coaching and healing methodologies to help you live into your full truth so that you can be who you desire to be in the world. I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that to own that truth changes and even saves her life. At sarahpoet.com, you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, my TEDx for modern women, an e-course for women to shift from silence into sacred truth, my blog with many more personal stories, information on conscious relationship and my work with couples and sacred union, links to working with me in various durations privately for leadership coaching and otherwise. You can schedule a consultation right there on the website if that's for you. Everything changes when we align to the truth of who we are, when we stop identifying with our old stories and traumas, and when we own that sacred truth and claim the path of sacred remembering for ourselves. I believe that it is the formula for everything from personal alchemy to planetary shifts. Thank you for being here, and thank you for helping to create change with your life at this time. I'm really, really excited to bring you today's guest, Carolyn Paget. She's a dear friend of mine and a wisdom keeper. I'm going to introduce you to her bio and then introduce the episode. Carolyn Paget is a shamanic priestess, psychic, and seer, an energy medicine practitioner and teacher. She's a sound healer and a channel, a ceremonialist, a medicine woman, and a wisdom keeper. Caroline has spent two decades as an avid student and explorer of esoteric wisdom and healing, consciousness studies, shamanic practices, yogic and Eastern philosophies, and divine feminine embodiment. Her mission and sole purpose is being a midwife of evolutionary consciousness and holding space as you reclaim and remember your own divine sovereignty as we birth together a new collective reality on earth, one that is anchored in love, wisdom, and inclusive divine power. And I'm here to give testimony that all of this is true because I have walked with Caroline both as a student and as a friend. And so the story that we cover today that that Caroline shares so generously with us today is actually one that she doesn't 
share very often. And I happen to know it because I've been in these circles where I, I knew of the loss of Caroline's child. And when I was planning on doing a month of interviews that was all about the mother, I also really wanted to include the topic of loss because so many of us as mothers are also touched by loss. And I know that every day when Mother's Day comes around, there's that ache and silence around the loss that is also experienced um, by many, many women who have become mothers. Uh, I lost a child to adoption and Caroline's child uh, was lost to death. And she bravely explores that story in this interview that I really encourage you to just listen to, also knowing that there's going to be some tenderness that comes up for you if you do choose to listen, but also just so much medicine, the way that Caroline is able to see what happened uh, through the lens of the shamanic priestess that she is, um, with the lens of you know, the soul realms, the esoteric realms, and the divinity in even the loss of her child, and how she's alchemized that into bringing forward this embodiment of the mother archetype that she walks with every day in her life is just a story that I hope, again, that you will take the time to listen to, um, an honor with me as Caroline shares her story here. And so I thank you, friend, for being here. And I thank you all, listeners, for being here as well. When we own and claim these stories and are willing to share them, we just weave a, a deeper web of what it truly means to be woman and human and mother. So thank you all for being here. And here's the interview. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Mm, thank you for inviting me. Yes, we're here with Carolyn Paget, who is a dear, dear friend of mine. And I've asked Caroline to talk today on a topic that I couldn't ask just anyone to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about becoming a mother and the topic of loss today. So thank you, Caroline, from the depths of me for being willing to come here and have this conversation. Mm, thank you truly, truly for inviting me and letting um, the experience, important experience of loss and motherhood be visible. Mm, yes. Yeah. Deep honoring for that today. So I would like to ask you to first introduce yourself um, to our listeners. I have such deep, deep gratitude for you as a sister and a teacher of mine and a dear friend and, um, you know, as a shamanic priestess and someone who has awakened so much in me on my path. Uh, I can already tell I'm going to cry so many times <laughs> during this conversation. Um, so yeah, I think this conversation will weave together so much of your wisdom as a shamanic practitioner and healer 
and your personal experience and, you know, talk of the soul. So we're going to weave and, and wind and just follow the path of the conversation that way. But let's start with introduction. Like, tell us, tell listeners who you are and what you do and mm. how you walk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, such a multi-layered question sometimes. <laughs> um, so, well, my name is Caroline, and I've been um, walking this path when I will say consciously of, you know, really a seeker and a seer of um, what's not being said and the subtle realms uh, really from an early age. And I started working with my first mentors um, uh, around 18. And it was through that moment of um, especially leaving home and, and coming into adulthood where my true self could really thrive. And from there, I, I've just been really blessed to have um, been navigated and guided to multiple um, beings, um, teachers in my life that have influenced me tremendously. And so, um, so much of the path I walk is, you know, and also um, reverence to those who've come before me and walking the path of um, remembering and walking the path of awakening and not just awakening, but embodied awakening and Mm. really dedicated to what is it like to live a modern day life um, from that standpoint of wakefulness and the divine feminine principle. And I know, Sarah, you talk a lot about the, um, the masculine and the feminine. And, you know, for me, the divine feminine principle is, it is that embodiment of the light and the awakening and um, not being afraid to have our full chakra, our full subtle body system come online. Um, earlier on in my path, I spent a lot of time um, as a yogi and, you know, ascension from, you know, really the heart up kind of the centers and um, the turn came to really honor, you know, the going into the cave and going into um, the depths of um, our sacred waters and our womb. And what is it to, you know, not reject this world, but to embrace it and um, be even more present within form and, so really awakening and form. And I work with sound for a lot of that to help uh, bring in the um, higher frequencies in body and land that into this 3D reality. And I just love being in community and um, in temple space, whether it's the etheric temple with people, um, but also in this world of creating that temple space of remembering in a way that's inclusive and about embodiment Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. So that's one of the main things that I appreciate about you um, is the, the awareness of that embodied principle. And I mean, you're really well educated and trained in that as well. Like you, you know, you have Koya dance and um, Hakomi training, and you've, you've really traversed the path of continued, um, seeking and education, like you said, seeking into all of these realms. Um, so I really, really appreciate the holistic practice um, mm. that you bring forward. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it was kind of the um, right. We all have our our journey of um, partly because since I was young, you know, I had seizures growing up, and so I was very much, you know, they in different. Um, indigenous cultures, like the little deaths and getting glimpses of the little deaths and the the light realms really has just been innately wired into my system. And what was not wired into my system was how to really be here. And so innately, my connection to this realm was pretty tenuous. And so it was through that need of how do I stay, you know, I'm so connected to the etheric realms and the higher frequencies and light beams and all that, which is great. And how do I, how do I have joy as being a human and live this life and um, not just follow a lot of the philosophy, Eastern philosophy of, you know, ascension. And this is just like the karmic like response. And um, so I appreciate uh, that. Um, not acknowledgement, but just, it is that full picture. It's like, I sought out what I needed for myself, which was somatic, you know, mindfulness psychology training. And, you know, I went to, I was a rolfer, a massage therapist, and then went into structural integration and, you know, going so deep into the body. And, you know, and that really, when I look back in it, cause you know, I haven't been a body worker for many, 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 many years. That was such an important part of my path because it was like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay right here at the sacred, like the sacroiliac crest and feel all of that and feel the expanse, but be so deep in the body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I appreciate about you the most and that I share, and then I just really, I know that you and I agree is a really needed part of this path is that we not bypass, that we not bypass mm. the body, that we not bypass the the dark. And um, I traversed my deep, deep underworld journey in 2019 with you <laughs> in your temple. And so um, I just deeply, deeply trust the space that you hold. But yeah, I want to want to gear toward the um, the topic here today, which is one that is of loss and of that underworld journey, and what is difficult to look at. And um, you know, none none better than a shamanic woman, perhaps, to talk about that. <laughs> mm. So, thank you so much, and. Um, yeah, I'm just presencing with what arises as we prepare to talk about loss. And um, I think that there's, you know, as a host of a podcast, there's sometimes like, well, how am I going to, what am I going to present? Or how am I going to spin this? You know, like the world is so, uh, I mean, I'm not going to spin this, but, but the world is like, wants to be up there and presenting the, um, the love and the light, you know, so often. And and today we're just, we're not going to bypass. Like mm. we're going uh, into these gritty truths because as we talk about mothers and mothering to avoid the topic of loss feels really inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So you, so let's, let's talk about pregnancy. Let's talk mm-hmm. about, um, your child and how he came to be and, and what that was like. And then 
moving into the story of his birth as you're ready. Mm, thank you. Um, <sighs> yeah. So, well, first I just want to name my son, Caden, who um, did not make it earth side um, alive. And he is the reason, of course, not just why I'm on this podcast, but the reason why my life is, um, you know, has taken the turns that it has. And so I got pregnant in 2014 um, with my uh, ex-husband and it was um, a bit of a journey of, as pregnancies go, they're different for each woman. And, you know, it was this this ride of um, not just acceptance, but just really being excited about being a mom and to embrace that. And, you know, we had such a, a beautiful connection, uh, me and Caden, uh, pretty right away. And uh, while he was growing inside me, it's, I always say to people, he was like so funny. And, mm. you know, my a couple of people might look at me like, what do you mean? I was like, no, these conversations that were without words, like I could just feel that mm. he would have been really goofy. And, you know, I'm pretty goofy. A lot of people want to not know that about me. Um, <laughs> but when I'm in my like home self and, you know, I'm wearing my like really funny animal slippers and stuff, like I can be um, pretty goofy. And, um, you know, it just it immediately was this beautiful bond. Um, and so getting towards the end of my pregnancy, um, I started to, um, have foreshadowing that I wasn't aware was foreshadowing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, in my life, I've never felt like I was going to live a long life. Um, and it's not in a, you know, depressed, remorseful place. It just felt like a fact and I didn't have any really opinion about it. It was just, I've said numerously through different times in my life that I just didn't think I was going to like live a long life. And, um, but the, the thing that brought up the foreshadowing the most was I was with um, my partner at the time and, you know, he, he and I were having this conversation and, you know, I'm about to have a baby in a few months and, a couple months at that point. And I was like, you know, I just, I don't think I'm going to really like live to be old. And he got really triggered and upset. And I was like, why are you so triggered? He's like, um, we're about to have a son together. Like, what do you like when you we're about to like birth life? What are you talking about? Like saying right now, like that you don't think you're going to be on this planet for that long. Mm. Um, and I thought like, oh, right, right. This is an idea that like I have felt in my being for a long time. But to say that, that would be a little jarring. I was like, okay, okay. Fair enough. So um, we had this conversation and a few weeks later, um, you know, I was not feeling well and, but nothing big. Like I was like walking my dog and I was like, oh, I just feel like I have a cold. And then I'm like researching and talking to my friends of like what teas to drink when you're, you know, um, late in pregnancy. And but it was nothing, you know, I didn't think anything alarming was really happening. And I had an appointment with my doctor here in town in Asheville, North Carolina, Dr. Lisa Ligtig, who's a saint and a goddess. Um, just, yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, and, you know, I was like, I don't feel, I don't feel great. I feel like I'm getting a cold. And so we did my, uh, I went in and had my appointment 
And she, I was think back, I'm like, she's clearly a masterful um, doctor and healer. Very gracefully, she said, well, you know, I'm just going to put on some, you to go to um, Mission Hospital and go get some tests. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go, you know, walk my dog. And then she's like, no, I think you should just go now. You know, mm-hmm. really not creating panic in me, which I really appreciate. Um, you know, but we drove 10 minutes uh, to Mission Hospital here in Asheville from her office. And by the time we got into the the room and they were doing an ultrasound and checking my vitals, I'll never forget this woman. Um, in in sense, I've had a healing with her, but she did not look at me, did not really acknowledge what was happening. And she just said, here's your baby. Here's where your baby's heartbeat should be. Your baby is mm. dead. Wow. Yeah. Like, just like that. Like, no. And like, walked out the room. <laughs> oh, of and course. Oh. I was, I just, I looked Gosh. at my partner. I just, I was, I didn't understand what just happened. Right. Right. I really. Cause I just, I had heard, just heard my son's heartbeat at Lisa's, um, not that like at that point, I guess it was like 30 or like an hour because of all the paperwork to get in there, but not that wow. long ago. And okay. uh, I just, I was like, what? I didn't understand what was happening until the nurses came in with tears in their eyes and mm. they said, I am so sorry. Mm. And we need to prepare you for labor. And I, at that point, I was like, what is, what, like, what is happening? Yeah. How many weeks? Um, I was just in my first trimester. So I forget how okay. many weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, not my first, third. Um, oh, just into your third. Yeah. Okay. So okay. he was, he was, um, he would have been premature, clearly premature, but um, mm-hmm. there was, here, I'll pause. Um, so basically, they're like, we need to prepare you for labor. And it was just confusing. Of, and then it hit me, and I still was like, I just, I didn't understand. And then um, my partner and I just held each other, and it is still like slowly mm-hmm. getting me on board. And then um, they came in and did the test for me, and then it was almost like my body, my soul, was still like in this place of like this. I still have my son inside me. Like I'm going to live. Um, but when that happened and it was like, he was gone, it was like my body took the cue and, um, cause I had what's called help syndrome mm. and I don't know what that is. So it's a very long, like hematite. I wish I should know this by now, but elevated lens enzymes basically is the okay. most, um, extreme form of preeclampsia. And, and then I had the most extreme case of help that any, that mission had ever seen. Um, mm. So basically your platelets drop, your liver enzymes, your your organs start to shut down. And what ultimately happens is until you deliver your baby, your body is attacking. Like it goes, and it's almost like an autoimmune, like it's allergic. In fact, okay, actually- so you best, had to deliver. I had to deliver. Okay. The thing about this is your platelets go down extremely. Um, so you can't have a C-section or you'll bleed out. Wow. And so there was a time clock. So they started getting me prepared for labor and delivery, but then they got the blood tests back, realized what was going on with me. And then I was starting to lose consciousness. And then all the machines come out 
I go into the ICU. Um, the doctors at one point, you know, told my ex-partner, you know, if she has close family, I don't know if she's going to make it the night. You should call them now. Wow. So this is all happening within a few hours of like, yeah. I feel like I have a cold. We're having a baby. I'm in my third trimester. Um, to I'm dying. My Our son died. I'm dying. And there's nothing anyone can do. Yeah. Because um, so it was a very, very long. Um, it was the new moon in Scorpio in November 2014. Um, exactly on the new moon in Scorpio. And mm. um, yeah, so the process went. I was dying. And um, my parent, my mom and my sister and all came up and... Um, after a while, no matter how much um, pictocin and like I wasn't dilating. And so there was a time clock whether am I going to be able to deliver my son for them to be able to do this procedure that would save my life um, or am I going to die ahead of time? Like there wasn't, it, it was just this um, time game really. Wow. And, I had no idea. I've never heard the story before. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 It was, it was intense. And so, um, at that time I just, I knew for me, like I'm dying, like I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, to open up my eyelids was painful, much less birth a a child. Right. right. Granted he was a small child, but as you know, there's a lot of, (laughs) like they (laughs) were like, can you, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I said goodbye, you know, like I really, I told Ananda, my ex-partner, I was like, I'm not going to make it. And at that time I was going in and out of consciousness. Um, I mean, I was on oxygen and stuff. So like my, they were doing the best they could. Um, But my, I was like, the room started changing and I just had this, it was matter of fact, I'll never forget this. And I was like, huh, like I'm going to die in childbirth again. And it was very clear that it wasn't again. And Mm -hmm. I, the room started morphing and it was like, I was seeing like this hut and like a stone straw hut thing, hut place. And then I was in this village and like the room just kept shape shifting into, um, and I would look down at my hands and they would be different colors of skin. And, and then also these moments of knowing like all reliving these different times I've dialed in childbirth. Um, in different lives. And, and that really was it for me. I really was like, okay, like I'm, this is it, you know? And my mom was like, I just remember my mom was like, everyone was crying. Cause everyone at that, it was like, they knew like I, cause I had also given up. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, another thing I'll never forget is this like rush of energy. And, this voice. It was like, he's coming now. And mm. I, I just, I was like, okay, I know I talk to angels and guys and stuff, but I don't know who you are, but you're wrong. <laughs> like that's how it felt. <laughs> like you've gotten the wrong memo. Um, and, but then I felt my body that was literally almost dead. Like the doctors were like, we've never seen, you know, people even survive with this amount of platelet count liver enzymes. Like I really was a medical miracle that I did live. Um, and 
I I like had been really not able to even really speak much. And I turned and I told someone, I don't remember who, um, Caden, like the baby's coming. And the doctor was like, no, you're not dilated. You're not dilated enough. And this is where I'll cry. Every time I tell this story is Mm. in moments I shot up and I made a sound I've never could replay again. And my son came out and no one caught him Mm. because no one believed me. Mm. And he fell on the table Mm. and, you know, I was in the ICU. They weren't prepared for the delivery because they kept, they just were, they just medically knew like this probably isn't happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, so then it was like pandemonium. Oh shit. Like, caught this, you know, the baby and um, Caden and cleaned him off and put him on my chest. And Mm. I was at that point in this like in-between world and I didn't understand. Like I kept asking why he was blue. Mm. I kept asking like, why won't he open his eyes? And so I think for like my partner, um, at that time, like for Ananda's sake, he kept having to tell me that he was dead. Hmm. And it's like, I couldn't register. And I was just like, what? Like, and I was holding him and he had my nose hmm. and he had Ananda's feet, like hobbit feet. Hmm. And he was perfect to me. He was just perfect and small, but perfect. And I just wanted to see his eyes. Hmm. And I just kept just this like, almost like if I asked the question enough, he would open his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all of this is in a very short period of time. And then something shifted again in my body. And that was like all the energy that I could have. And I just like started to pass out and um, was like, you know, I'll, I'll hold him later. I'll hold him later thinking that I had a later. Yeah. And at that point they wheeled me out they took Caden, um, angels came and helped us and, um, helped Ananda. And so I left, they wheeled me out to do this procedure to take out all my plasma, take out all my blood and, um, see if that would work. Um, and then it was again, another time waiting game to see if I was going to live. And Ananda held our dead son and cried and cried for hours, you know, alone um, with him. Mm. And, you know, I think that's been a difference of even our processes together because like I'm telling this story, I do remember him being on my chest. I do remember like looking at his nose, but my sister who had the force, who's a NICU nurse down in Charleston had the foresight to take pictures. Oh, wow. Which, you know, you would, there could be a perspective of like, holy shit, why are you taking out your phone to take pictures at this time? And I cherish those pictures mm-hmm. so much yeah. because they gave me memory. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so sick and, um, and really, yeah, dying. Um, like my body was jaundice. I looked, I was blown up yellow. Mm-hmm. And if I showed you the pic, like I don't look like myself. Um, mm-hmm. And she took pictures of him and like the blanket they brought him. So I have this sense, these, these are like the most precious, like, okay, like trying to normalize it a little. Yeah. You know, and so, um, 
you know, how much I remember from my own experience versus what I've been told that also those pictures is besides what I just told you right then, um, is if as fuzzy. Um, yeah. and really the next, you know, week or more, um, is pretty fuzzy. I was definitely, um, not here and I, yeah, it was, it was a choice and I guess I'm going to pause to see how much I should go into like the story of like that moment or I just, I just will pause. I truly want you to share whatever is arising for you to share. I mean, I think that that's, that's the beauty of it more so than any question I could control. Well, I guess to, to finish that piece was I, I did live clearly. Um, (laughs) and you know, it was, um, this is, I think an important piece for me and my story of choice. And so when I was in this in-between state and, um, you know, things going on and I, I don't, this is where I totally rely on other people's stories and experiences. Um, and the the waiting game to see if I was going to come out of it or not. And if I was, you know, they thought I'd for sure be on kidney dialysis. I for sure would be on oxygen for the rest of my life. And somewhere in me, because I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. I definitely, I got a Taurus moon. I'm like, when I'm, I'm stubborn and I'm like, I have a Taurus what? moon. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I'm, you know. If I was like, okay, if I'm coming back to this planet in this body, like I'm not going to be like hooked to machines. Mm-hmm. Like that was like my non-negotiable basically. So when I was in this in-between state for a while, um, you know, in my own, you know, what's, you know, the technical near-death experience that I did experience was very similar to what you read about, what other people talk about. I went through this portal of light and I'll never forget this too. And this is the other part I cry at every time I tell the story is um, my son was right there and he was in all his glory and he was awake and alive. And if I had just taken one step, like the mind, like just even leaned into this other place, I would have gone with him Mm. and I would have been able to be with him. And the option came and I had my guide and my like life review. Um, the option was if I was going to come back to this body that like basically like no more fucking around my guides in the other realms did not say fucking around, but that was basically (laughs) um, the option was I could go on and be with my son and we would go back into, you know, the, the soul contracts. And I was shown, you know, I'd come back into this lifetime um, more awake than I was leaving and that I wouldn't have the trauma that I had growing up. And, you know, th- this whole path was laid out for me. And that, but I would start the next lifetime from a place of wakefulness and, you know, being a teacher. And, and really, that was my mission. Um, or I could go back into this lifetime. But if I chose to come back into this body, that, yeah, I had to stop half assing it and playing small. Hmm. And, you know, this is all happening in the other realm. So the language, yeah. tele, you know, is telepathic. There was just these like beams of light and hearts and all going on. But in essence, that was the experience. Mm-hmm. And 
for a long time, you know, it bothered me that I don't remember choosing. Mm. You know, I like to say like, oh, I made that choice and I came back. Um, all I remember is I felt like you're in a wind tunnel or if you're on top of, um, you know, like hiking up to Shining Rock and you're on, you know, or like at Max Patch or something like big balds where there's so much wind gust that is like pushing you back. And I felt this force hmm. um, bringing me back. And I don't know if that, I mean, clearly I chose that at some level. Yeah. But I don't remember consciously in this, what seemed to me like a dialogue to this light being, to this guide and my son being right there. And because I don't, now I feel like, okay, I get, I chose, but for a while with all the grief of losing him and the love, you know, as you know, as a mother, like I'd never experience what you would do for your child, love. Yeah. Um, and to leave him... I don't, it was grace really. So, and earthbound, you know, what's happening. And, and as I'm having my own inner experience, laying in a hospital bed with oxygen and all that, wondering, you know, my family wondering if I'm going to live and my partner, you know, he went out to the hall and um, he had like a visitation of, you know, will you let her go? Mm. And he was like, no. Wow. And his prayer and his love. And I think that the, um, at that point I have a pretty, I feel really blessed, amazing network of master healers all over the world that do energy healing and high level work. You know, I had people praying and can't like yeah. all over. Um, so I, I do feel like that it was grace, but it was also the prayers of those who love me and those who believe in me that it was not my time to go. Because I honestly, I really wasn't attached at that point. Right. I didn't have a personality like, oh, I need to come back because X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Like at that point, I was like, this pretty much sucks. <laughs> like I yeah. lost my baby. I'm like, maybe if I come back, I'm going to be on machines. Like what? Like, no. Um, you know, and again, like I've never had a very... Um, my my relationship with being in this body has been tenuous my whole life. Um, so it wouldn't have been a big stretch for me to just like make that one like centimeter meter move to like go into the spirit back to spirit fully. Um, long story short, came back. And at that point when I was in and out of consciousness, but it was like, okay, she's turned the corner, but I still kind of could overhear. I wasn't fully conscious yet, but I overheard like, oh, kidney dialysis or, you know, those things. That's when it was like my stubbornness was like, oh no. And I was like, okay, it's time to get to work. And I do remember that it was just, I, it was a, a willful thing. Mm -hmm. It was a very conscious, I'm willing my spirit here and I'm willing my body to heal. Yeah. I wasn't leaving it to chance or karma or whatever word we want to attach to it. And so, um, you know, they brought in the sound healing and they brought in like, you know, all these things. I, I knew exactly what I could feel, what organs were really not well and did my best to communicate that. And, you know, I had healers working on that specifically and, mm. you know, amazing friend in Asheville came and did acupuncture on me a lot in the hospital. Um, I had a lot of support. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I, I, I lived and, 
you know, when I left the hospital, um, for after a while, I was in there for a while. Um, you know, I had these huge, like this couple doctors and like big burly men, like come and hug me and just cry. And they said, this is not what I thought I would be seeing. And Mm. it wasn't until I was on truly the like uphill, like I'm going to survive. And not only am I going to survive, but I'm going to be okay, relatively. Um, The reactions I saw from the medical staff really showed me how dire it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I bet that they are like, okay, we're witnessing miracles right here. I bet they never forgot it. Oh yeah. I had a a doctor say, can I use you as a case study um, for what's possible, you know, and how to, because medically, literally medically, I should not have lived. And, um, and then also not just that, but I shouldn't be able to breathe without oxygen. Wow. And you can sing and channel you can like, you can move lots of oxygen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sister, thank you so much for sharing your story and um, for just taking us there into that space. That's really, really sacred story. Thank you so mm. much. Thank mm. you for listening. Yeah, yeah. So, so then you went home. So then I went home and then, you know, I think many people experience this after a tragedy, after um, the acute moment of adrenaline when it's like you do what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, I went home and then I was, you know, then the grief hit me. Then um, being in the shower and having my milk Mm. And warm water come out of my breast and not have a baby to um, feed. Yeah. You know, that, that, those moments, those, um, just the, the depth of loneliness and grief that, you know, going into the dark night and, you know, as you know, like I'm not one to shy away from the shadow or the, the, the depth of the cave that you need to go into to really like sit with the, the trauma, the wounds. Um, and you know, it, it was not easy. There was many layers of, and years, you know, like now I'm in five, it was 2014. So, um, in November, so last November it was five years. And, you know, I think like we've mentioned when you asked me to do this, I wouldn't have been able to have this conversation two years ago, even, so the process has been long and short, you know, in some ways you never get over losing a child. Um, but the, the first year, um, I, oh, this is what I think is really, I didn't learn this until my father passed last year was the grace that I had that I didn't realize I had, which was I myself like was broken and I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't take a shower by my, like I needed, my body was, yes, I didn't die. And yes, I wasn't on these machines, but I was not going to be running like a marathon anytime soon. And, um, and that was the grace that I didn't realize until I encountered another big grief portal with my dad dying that, you know, people weren't expecting me to get back to life. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a very slow process and I had permission um, 
and I, my body needed it. Like I would get out of breath, um, walking two minutes. And so, um, I spent, you know, so much time in bed for weeks, months, able to just cry and like cry and cry, like wail Mm -hmm. in a way that I just like would wake up kind of eat and wail and go back to bed and let the process process through me instead of me trying to manipulate the process. Mm, um, and I, I love that you had that wherewithal. You know, I, I just want to name that, like that you were able to give yourself that depth of experience. I don't know if you felt like you had the choice or not, but I know that, that there's a lot of pressure on a lot of, you know, we, we could feel the pressure to make ourselves better or go totally. back to it. Um, yeah. And so totally. to just let yourself, let yourself be in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was like, it, it was a choice, but it not, it was kind of like the choiceless choice. I think because I have also a background of shadow work and, you know, mm-hmm. I just, maybe not just, but um, recently had just um, finished the um, Hakomi you know, somatic training right before I got pregnant. So I had those awarenesses, but also, you know, I wasn't able to go on a hike. I wasn't able to, you know, go back to life in a way. And, um, and so I was just left with me and my experience and my emotions. And, you know, I went back to my therapist and she said something brilliant that really stuck to help me to let go too. Cause I was asking in this moment of like mental, striving or searching just to not feel how I felt, right? Like anything to not feel how I felt and asked her like what now or something like that. And she said, I don't remember exactly what I asked, but I remember what she said was we get to ask that question in a year minimum. Mm. And at that time I was like, oh girlfriend, I like move through shit fast. Like a year is a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, looking back, I'm like, right on. She was so right on. And not only like, do you not ask that question or I don't ask that question for a year, then it's another year before you even live into the answer. Yeah. You know? And so um, that first year was so raw and so also about my own physical healing and, learning to trust my body, you know, um, that was a big part for me of, I went to my first yoga class, like gentle, gentle yoga class, um, months after I was out of the hospital. And I just remember getting in this one, like super yin gentle pose. And just, that was the unleashing of how do I trust a body that in my mind, this is what I had to work through. Like that kills my baby. Mm. because that's like medically that's you know i guess i put the emotional like i killed my baby which was a big thing to work through but your body and help syndrome it, it creates an allergy to your baby and that's why you know um you know a lot of women who do have help have um they don't get as sick as i do so they can have a c-section so um i had a good friend who's a nurse and she has dealt with a lot of women um, with help that have babies that survive, that survive themselves. Um, but because I, my body dropped, like I just went to the extreme form of it so quickly, there was no chance to have that C-section. Um, yeah. Anyways, so, you know, it's, it was such a um, blessing to be able to, 
to go there. You know, when my father died last year, that was the like kind of shock for me of the last time I felt like deep grief like that. I had all the time to feel it. And then with my dad dying, like, and I'm fine, you know, a week later, people are like, oh, how are you doing? And I'm kind of like, what do you mean how I'm doing? (laughs) Like my dad just died versus when my son died and I'm like, can't even get out of bed. No one's asking me like, oh, when are you getting, when are you going to the grocery store? You know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I really had such this other level of compassion and just empathy for people that go through such deep loss and don't have the space in our culture Mm. to have the time to grieve properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I I definitely experienced after the loss of my daughter through adoption. I mean, it was like, and, and I remember my sister telling me a couple of years ago, I was taking a memoir writing course, um, like a community course, because I wanted to write these stories, but I only had the memory, like the emotional memory and the memory of my body. I I did not know what people around me were doing. Mm. Um, that like how I saw the process was all through my body. And my sister said, so I had come home from college and pregnant. So the shame around that, like I was 18 years old, came home from college. They put me in the basement. There was like a playroom. So they put a twin bed in the playroom and um, my sister had, had occupied my bedroom. And so I came home from the hospital after my child's adoptive parents took her home and I was in the basement and there was no like bedroom door. There was no privacy. And I, my sister told me that I was wailing and Mm -hmm. crying and grieving, but they stood upstairs and looked at each other and nobody knew what to do. And so they did nothing. Mm. And mm. so, right. And so the, the reaction was like, let's just get her out of here or let's just get her better. And so it was like, distract me. So I went back to college three weeks later. Oh, like wow. yeah. that was the formula, you yeah. know, it was Oof. like, get up and go. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. In Ugh. 19, like 18 years later, I was burning off some of that from from 19 years earlier. You know, where like I didn't get to grieve like that. I was like, holy shit, there are depths of grief that I have never felt. And I think the the soul brought that back. Like totally. I needed to go through that before I could move forward and, and be all of myself. But um, yeah, so I wanted to, I just wanted to say to if for everything that you've mentioned and and like the the walking away from the hospital without the baby and you know people looking at you like not not knowing what to say or do around you like that for for women who have placed children for adoption it's very much the same like feeling of loss um and i yeah, I just, I want to name that for mamas that like birth the babies and the babies are alive in the world. And um, that loss is still real, which I didn't give myself permission to feel for years until mm-hmm. like I pulled a book off of a shelf that was about adoption. And my my daughter's adoption was open adoption, um, which means I get to, I, I always got to know her and I got to cho- choose her parents. Um mm-hmm. 
a shaman later told me, uh, like much, much later, 18 years later, told me that my daughter is very, very thankful because she had soul contracts with her adoptive parents. Like mm. she is like, I needed to be with them. So I want to talk about soul contracts in just a minute. Um, actually, maybe I just forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I was like, Zoop, soul contracts. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll come back, but oh, that's embarrassing when that happens in the middle of the podcast. But um, oh, it's just real. <laughs> it's know. just real, real. All the threads and all the layers. Yeah. So I guess I just, I just wanted to name. Yeah, that, it's important. The that, loss. Um, however, women feel it. I mean, we're having this conversation out loud right now because there are these very real experiences of loss. And then there are these very real experiences of grief. And so often, I mean, really, truly no one can meet you there. Like everyone can try, they can, they can try in their own way. They can try differently, but like you're the mother who lost the child and your experience is so real and so deep. And, um, so. And I think that's important, like naming that, like, even with the support groups, even this, even that, you know, like all of us carry it differently and it is a lonely path and it's a lonely, you know, um, kind of club to be in, whatever that is, because even though we can, you know, women who've all lost babies or lost, um, whether it's through adoption or through um, death, you know, yes, we're all in that you know, there is this, you know, kind of camaraderie or, um, you know, sisterhood that we can, you know, bow in the heart of acknowledgement. But each one of those unique stories is so vastly different. And so, you know, I think it is um, an important thing to acknowledge how, what a lonely place that is. And, um, and that strength that comes from when you do rise Mm -hmm. and not, and there's no formula, you know, I've talked to women that, um, have lost babies 10 years ago and they look at me, they're like, Oh, how are you so further along? Like they feel like, Oh, I'm not in that place, you know, or, you know, the comparison that we all do just as humans in general. And then we like compare our like grief stories or compare our lost stories. And then, you know, it's like, Oh, I should be this way or not that way. Or, you know, um, when to just honor how vastly different um, that walk is because it's, it is to walk alone. And I think that's for me part of the, you know, the, the blessing and the gift that my son gave me is, you know, he really, um, his death gave me myself. Mm. I don't mean that in a spiritual bypass way. I don't mean that as like, oh, there's all silver linings. It was hard one, mm-hmm. but that was the opportunity so maybe he didn't like give me myself, but he opened up the door and my walking through the gates of hell for years and, you know, um, not just, you know, honoring the grief, but coaxing it and courting grief. Like I really went into this place of not only am I going to just allow the shadow, but I am going to invite it in. And I um, had again, grace and thank you, uh, thank you, spirit for putting a couple of mentors in my path that, you know, really helped me with some tools and 
and also um, just held space for me to go deeper. So go deeper within the grief that is beyond my son's death and um, to sit there and not move and not move until I was ready versus society said I was ready, which, you know, I know is a luxury. Um, you know, and as I'm saying the story, I don't want like the listeners or other mothers to think like, oh, it was like, I just went in and I let myself feel all these things. I mean, there was definitely like, I am zoning out and I'm eating all the haagen ice cream and watching, you know, Game of Thrones and all that and checking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I, my system needs to not be in process right now. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but I, I think that's such a good, not just good, but a vital reminder that all of our walks are unique because they're an invitation to our becoming and an invitation to um, the embodiment of why we're here. And and I'm I'm grateful. Now I sit. My my son is an ally. He's a guide. Um, he comes to me um, in different, like, really important moments, and I feel him very strongly. And he really, in some ways, like, midwifed me into where I'm at right now in my life, and I feel very grateful for that. Um, but it took a while to get there, and for those that might be in grief and they've lost their children way longer than five years, again, I do. I just want to name, like, I, I did have what... I wouldn't have called it a luxury at that time because almost dying yourself is, is really hard. Um, but I did have the luxury to let my body process. And like that story you just said, you like had an extreme trauma loss happen. And then three weeks later, you're expected to like take notes in class in college. Yeah. Like, well, and find meaning through that, you know, and it's just like sends this crazy message, um, to a lost 19 year old. (laughs) It was like, how do you find yourself? Well, you go make something of yourself. And so it was, it was like very, very distorted. And then that was, that's the essence of my remembrance walk um, was like, because that got so deeply lodged in there. And, um, and I took that really fucking seriously because a loss that big, like that's a big hole to fill. And so if like performance was the recipe for filling that hole, which was like the message from all around me, you know, you shouldn't have gotten pregnant in the first place, like go make something of yourself. Um, I really fucking went after it, (laughs) you know, like really hard. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we all, yeah, just (sighs) each woman's story exactly as it happened, exactly the process, like it's just, it's just so worthy of honor. Um, Absolutely. So worthy of honor. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, uh, yeah, they're really, there's no, you know, formula. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. So in preparation for this conversation, you and I had shared, um, about what it was like afterward, um, you know, when you are activated as a mother, but then you don't have the child. And, you know, again, in stories of loss that women are carrying, like everyone has the story that, that you've just gone through this, but the world doesn't necessarily know that you've gone through this. Or, you know, your body has changed forever, but there's your body has changed by becoming a mother, but there's no baby. Um, 
there with you. And so, oh my God, when you were talking about your boobs in the shower, like the milk coming in and the pain from that is Mm -hmm. one of the most vivid memories that I have, you know, and like doing that alone um, and like letting the milk dry up even. Yeah. Oh my God. And this milk is like supposed to go somewhere. So let's talk about that. Like becoming a mother. And I know that you have a lot to teach here as well. So when that archetype is activated mm-hmm. and then you're walking, you're walking activated. Um, yeah. Just anywhere you want to go with that. Yeah. So, you know, now, you know, another, you know, just such a gift from my son was it, he came in and I'm very clear on this now. And I, again, there's time and allowance to be able to have this type of insight and not just insight, but on like truth that lands in my bones with it is um, I needed that archetype of the mother. Like I needed that, the, my cells, my energy body to turn on to that archetype to be part of like why I'm, I came back. Um, but yet it wasn't to be a, a mother to a 3d child, like a child on this planet. And, um, so there's, you know, as we've been talking, this is very much like my personality, my emotions, my, my experience as a human, like there's the human story part of it. Um, but from more of the subtle realms or more of the spiritual dimensional space was, you know, the, the archetypal, um, waking up of the mother and how that's changed me is, is profound. And it. um, it gave me again, like myself, an aspect of myself I wouldn't have had if he did not activate that. But the pain that was there, um, and it's still a little awkward. Um, it's not as much, but you know, when Mother's Day rolls around, or if someone says, you know, do you have a, a child? And for a long time, I, I it was like a deer in headlights. I didn't know what to say, and at first, I would automatically say no. Yeah. And my whole body would seize. Like I remember being in this rest. I was like, I felt like I was going to just have to get up and throw up because that it was like a lie was coursing through me mm-hmm. in a way that I am, you know, so all about truth on like so many dimensional levels that it was just clear, like, no, that is, you will not carry that lie. Yeah. You won't let that lie come out of your being. And so I and I recognize that, and so I, um, you know, I wrote poetry about it. I, I I needed to express it somehow, and I didn't know how to express it necessarily to people. Um, I certainly wasn't like gonna like ready to post about it or anything like that, um, because I had to live through the confusion and 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 to be able to come to my rightful place within it. That was my truth; that no one could take that away, and so. Um, and I realized like, yes, I am a mother. And so now to be able to honor who like that part of my journey and not just that, but my son um, and the, that energy that flows through me, um, it was a difference between when people ask me now, am I a mother? Sometimes I say yes. And then I say, you know, um, but my son um, died and part of that was like letting people be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. 
you know, like letting them be uncomfortable. And if I didn't want to tell the story to just like have that empowerment that I don't have to ease their uncomfortability. Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell them the story of like, well, you know, cause I, for me, there was this like, oh, well, you know, he wasn't like full term or, oh, he wasn't, mm. you know, these like kind of like grades that we give is like, oh, if my son died when he was like four, you know, that would have had more weight or, you know, all these different things, mm. Um, mm. which whether people are conscious of it or not, but you can see it on their faces sometimes. Um, yeah. Of yeah. like, what's like the level of grief permission you get, you know? Um, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so what happened for me was I just committed to checking in with myself. And when people ask that question to see what I wanted to reveal. So now like I do say no sometimes, but it doesn't register as a lie because it's a place of empowerment. Um, Like we were just saying before, you know, pressing play is when I'm in a coffee shop and I'm like cruising and someone's like, Oh, here's this. And we're like, chit-chatting with people because I'm so not a chit-chat person anyways. Mm-hmm. Someone I don't know asks me like, oh, do I have a child? And I don't feel like getting into that even energetic exchange. I sometimes will say no, and I'm okay with that now. Yeah, But I had to like claim it to then be able to say no, or I'll say no, not on this earth plane. And then, you know, a lot of times people are like, whoa, what is she talking about? Especially if it's like, <laughs> you know, if it's not Nashville too, like, yeah. um, or I'll say yes, really quickly. And, um, but he is no longer with us. And when I have that kind of confidence, usually that either, if I don't want to go into it, that kind of just like stops and they'll just say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, and it's that kind of exchange. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it is such an important process that every woman has to go through who's experienced that loss of, yes. you know, where do you register? And if your system needs to say no for the rest of your life, if you don't have any other living children, honor that. If your system needs to say and claim every single time, Yes, I'm a mother. My child is um, gone, whether by adoption or by death. You know, I just think it's so important that you get to decide your um, experience and relationship with that question because that question really represents to, you know, owning that archetype for myself as a mother without having a human child is profoundly sacred. And I'm not going to go and, and this is true in every part of my life, like I'm not going to just like spread something that's sacred to me and ground where it's not honored as holy. Mm. Um, So for if I, you know, now, like if it's just, I get to have that inner knowing for me for the most part, unless the subject gets brought up in like conversations that are seen as holy, like this we're having right now, or I share with my groups or people, you know, I, people reach out to me um, ever so often say, hey, I have a friend or hey, I have a client who just lost a child. Would you mind reaching out to them? And absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it, again, like this is a reclaiming of your path is holy and yours and you get to decide, you know, um, where to hold that and also allowing yourself to own and see yourself as that, as the mother archetype has like woven its way in your soul and your life, um, whether you have a child um, living or not. And yeah, 
I'm yeah. a little bit rambly now about it, but that's, it's, it's been really, a really important. It's a really important. Yeah. That empowered answer took years and years, um, you know, in part due to my age, but um, yeah, it was my son who started to really out it. <laughs> like I would talk about adoption, like you're saying, like if the conversation was worthy and then when Rowan got old enough, because what we've always said is like families are built in all kinds of ways. And so he says he has a sister, uh, which mm. he does, you know, but like it, to him, his sister is here and she is Phoebe and she doesn't live with us because she was adopted at birth but they know each other and they love each other. And, um, so he, you know, on like the, the family worksheets at school, like, do you have any siblings? He's like, yes, I do. Period. And then (laughs) some of the teachers like knew me, but they were like, where's this other child, you know? And so, um, yeah. So, um, he was my little teacher in that Mm. way where like my career had taught me not to talk about it. Um, like I had separated it out because uh, like children, I don't ask children to hold that, um, that understanding or that ability to understand, you know, like as a teacher and a principal, I was just like trained not to bring it up. And so, um, but yeah, when Rowan got older, he was, he was the one that led that and he leads it really, really beautifully. Mm Um, yeah. So, (sighs) I want to kind of pause and feel into what else might want to be shared as we wrap up. I think I have, I have a question that feels bold, even for, for me (laughs) (laughs) or like unanswerable, but, and I don't even know if it's the right question. And so if it's not the right question, given all of the um, realms that you traverse, like I, I look forward to you correcting it if it's not the right question. Um, so do you think that you and Caden had this particular soul contract all along or absolutely? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because you said that you had died in childbirth before and in past lifetimes. And, you know, I really do remember like having lost children in past lifetimes before also. And I think that there was, um, you know, there's still so much question and mystery around that for me. But, but when you said that, and I know that you lived through your experience. And so I'm like, okay, you know, is this the contracted lifetime where that stops or where you don't have to do that anymore? Like you're embodying motherhood or, you know, before we started uh, the conversation, you were also talking about like a recent turn, um, mm-hmm in, in your own growth. And so I, I wonder if that has something to do with it, but yeah. Talk about this whole contract if you would. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, in my process and in my, um, communication and, you know, I do feel really blessed that, and not that I'm unique or special in this way. I think, um, everyone has the capability to, um, hear and listen to, their guides and and know their soul contracts is just a matter of like we put our attention there if we want to or not. But, um, but I'm also very like, this is my job, <laughs> you know, like yeah, right. my job is that I traverse the realms. And so that was really helpful of when I have such a deeply personal 
um, desire and knowing and experience is, okay, my son's on the other side. And that also happens to be my job is also being a medium for the spirit realm. So I, you know, um, I feel fortunate that I did get, you know, I do have the skills and um, to have those conversations. Now, again, it's all timing. Like I couldn't have had that. I didn't have that conversation um, the first two years, you know, the desire was there, but it's, um, you know, I didn't feel him. I didn't feel him for a long time because I was like in the blankets, like the wet blanket of grief for so long. There wasn't that open passage passageway except for like rare moments. Um, mm. So it took, you know, a lot of healing to get more to a place of neutrality, which is a lot of what it takes to, to really communicate clearly um, between the realms. Mm. And, you know, and just in my knowing, because also like we were saying, we all have unique experiences and my unique experience was, yes, I lost a child, but I also almost lost my life. And so that was, you know, wrapped into that. Um, It's part of why, like when I went to grief works, either people have like lost their babies. Well, I didn't talk to anyone who lost their life because they were like not going to, not there. But, um, you know, so it was kind of a double whammy for me. So Part of, you know, his contract and I and a soul contract now, absolutely. He was never meant to be earthbound. He didn't have, um, like that was not who, where he's from is also, um, a very different light, you know, I'll get as woo woo as I get is, Mm -hmm. you know, from this different, um, star system, which I'm innately from. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't built to be an earth child. You know, like hands down to the warriors that come here on this planet, especially at this time, um, Mm -hmm. as forms of children and, you know, babies coming in. And his lesson, his, you know, contract for me and him was to, to really, for me to really get clear if I was, I was really going to be here. Yeah. You know, and to create. Are you in or out? Mm, Exactly. Like to create here. And so. Um, what better way than to literally take me to the threshold? Wow. You know, and that was one of my, I've been in multiple car accidents, death's door. I mean, it's just, you know, (laughs) my like life journey is kind of hilarious at some point of when it's like touching into the other side so much, Mm. but that was the biggest and, um, and the completion, um, of that. And I had had a, uh, a reading by a dear friend who's an amazing astrologer. And she looked at my chart for that November 19th. This was months and months and months after it had happened. And the alignment was what she sees when people dies, you know, um, or the possibility of that. And, you know, honestly, like I have always been a seer and some of my like superpowers as uh, intuitive and psychic. And when I was in psychic school was be precognition, of being able to see, you know, the future, even though it's always changing, but to see the probability of different timelines manifesting, Mm -hmm. which is really what that is, precognition. And um, it's been an interesting journey for me because there is that sense that I've always had up until that time that I was not going to live a long life. And I believe that I started a new contract over. And so through this process, once I got through the the physical grief, the emotional grief, spirits, like, I mean, I feel like I did die and I 
even the the karmas, the the things that I was working out prior to that just aren't an issue anymore. And not that I don't have my own, you know, stuff coming up or stuff in relationship come up, but for the most part, he provided this pathway of choice of I didn't start over in a new lifetime, but I did start over in this lifetime. Like wow. really started over, like soul contract started over. And um so they and, both so, so you would have been reborn as an awakened one and then you would have to spend, you know, decades growing up and now you're just here. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's been interesting because in. my memory so one of the things I had many strokes when I was in the hospital and um you know what I what the remaining is I don't have um sensation, full sensation in my left hand and for a long, you know, for a long time, like I couldn't play guitar because I can't feel my fingers on the strings anymore. Um, you know, and if that's all I have from like that whole experience, I'm like, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I've had strokes and my memory um, is not like, it's so interesting. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like a wipe clean. Like I can tell you that story really clearly, but I don't have the same memory as I used to. And um, it forces, not forces, but it's an invitation to be just so in the moment and, you know, being, I am here, I'm 40. I'm not, you know, like I have like things to do in emails. Like I, it can be a frustration. Um, but as spiritually, it has been a, such a gift. Like I, like there's a, an illuminosity and like a presence that I had been efforting to gain through living in ashrams, through meditating for hours upon hours a day from, you know, doing these extreme fast. And, you know, I've just been such a spiritual seeker my whole life um, through going into underworlds from, you know, shamanic realms that is just there, you know? And so when my work, when I went back to work as a walker between the worlds and a healer and a seer, it's, even though it's never been that, you know, it was always somewhat effortless. Um, it's even more, it's just like the, this grace. And again, it's not from an ego plane. It just is. And I'm grateful. There's a lot of loss that took there to get it, but, um, it really, he shifted me from living really a karmic path to a dharmic path. Mm. And again, not that I don't have like my human stuff and like personality stuff. You can ask my partner I live with now, um, <laughs> especially if I haven't eaten. Um, but there is a level of clean slate. Mm. These deep wounds and traumas and processes that I'd been, you know, really present with and are just, they don't, they're not there anymore. And um, one of my spiritual teachers and elders mentor who's, an amazing um, elder in her seventies is, you know, she helped name it from her culture and her peoples of, you know, Oh, what she's getting is, you know, it's just like a soul, like the, the higher soul walk-in. So I think some, some of you may have heard of walk-ins or this and that, but instead of it being like a walk-in, like another actual entity or being, it was my higher soul walk-in. So, you know, the, the one that would have, would have come up to a different lifetime, that person walked into this body. And Hmm. when she first said that, like my whole system, like I was shaking on the inside with truth and just tears came because, Hmm. you know, I have my experience. I'm me, um, but it's been really hard to name. There's no like, 
text or no, like there's been also really very few people to talk to on that level of like what's been happening to me Mm -hmm. and why can I not remember like fourth grade and what was going on Mm. in some ways there's this like level of, um, yeah, just, it does feel like, oh, that was a different lifetime, truly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what? Uh, So, yeah. So the contract has just been, he really is an angel and, um, guides me so much on what is it, you know, cause now it's also, um, given me this freedom of there, there's this level of fear of death that was subconscious before that I don't have anymore. And not saying that like, I'm completely fearless, but there is this level where I, you know, it's like, ah, oh, that peace and that amount of light I was just speaking with someone, um, you know, tears come, you know, where the possibility and, and touching in on that type of oneness yeah. that so many of us seek to embody here, you know, is truly nothing to be afraid of. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been, I'm completely grateful on so many levels uh, for this whole process, not just like, oh, this, this bad thing happened and I've made like lemonade out of lemons or whatever. It's like, right. no, I'm, I'm really, really grateful it happened exactly how it did. I'm grateful. I wouldn't be able to keep walking who I am and what I'm here to do in the world, especially at this time, if I had a five-year-old. Right. Um, you know, it just, yeah, and, and yeah. it just would be different. And I've gone through the grief of I'm 40 now and it's been like, whoa, I'm, I'm really not having children this lifetime mm-hmm. or human ones. You know, I have my like seven animals, but, um, which I swear sometimes equals one kid. Oh my God. But <laughs> no doubt. So, yeah. So I'm a little bit rambling now, but that's the, I don't know if that answers the question, yeah. the, the soul piece, but I think it's, um, it's, it's huge to, and to feel, you know, I'll go to my mentors and healers that I work with and we'll both feel like, oh, you're, and I could just, I could, I name it with them, like my son's in the room. Like he's just very mm-hmm. much a part of my team. And so I don't feel a loss of connection mm-hmm. anymore. I did for a number of years, but I actually feel like I get the like wise, like he's extremely wise and, and very um, kind of has this Archangel Michael, like masculine protection energy. And he is like mm. a protector of mine and um, has gotten me out of some trouble uh, mm. in the etheric realms a couple of times. That's amazing. That's so amazing. Caroline, we're going to have to wrap up. Thank you so much for being here. I could go on all day. hearing yeah all of your just close notices and thank you for reporting out from that very unique position of someone who does traverse the worlds and lives in this subtle and soul realm all the time and can speak to loss um, from that perspective so thank you thank you thank you so much oh you are so welcome and thank you for really um inviting me into your sacred circle and to naming this such an important topic. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I would love for you to share where women can find you if they would like to work with you. I can't recommend Caroline's um, shamanic priestess circles enough. Um, if, and and I, I know that I've talked about them on this podcast before. <laughs> and so if anyone has questions about that, I'm happy to answer that as well. But where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm on all the things. Um Total disclaimer, <laughs> I am really bad at social media, um, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but carolinepaget.com is, you know, the the portal you can find me at. And, you know, my programs are shifting. They're still focused. You're still um, diving deep as we did, Sarah, and uh, learning the tools. And I've been guided just recently to really open it up to um, all bodies and it's because it's really about that awakening and not again, like from a concept place, but the embodiment and to, to feel the freedom and form. And we go deep into the shadow work. Um, and then we also bring in a profound light of who your soul is and, and your contract. And really it's about two jumping timelines. So it's like, you're going to get there right? Like everyone's like, you can't miss your life purpose. Um, But it's about helping to quicken those timelines. And so uh, my next program is in June and I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about it that we will be, there'll be eight initiations within it. There's going to just be some juiciness. So um, if you're interested, I'd love to talk to anyone. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's about all I got. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your story. And thank you for living as bravely as you live. Such an honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I really encourage you to head on over to Facebook. There's a free Facebook group that goes with this podcast. It's called Sacred Remembering. And you can find that. And when you come on into the group, let us know what you thought of the episode. Let us know what thoughts arose for you, what feelings arose from you, what you took from the episode. Start a conversation. Join the community. We'd love to see you there. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.